What is going on, everybody? This is V3Cast, episode nine. What's what's happening, Aaron? What's happening, Greg? What's up, man? Let's do it. Yes, indeed. Nothing. Let's get into it. We're getting into it. Hey, this is a cool one that I, I kind of saw online uh, over the weekend, and I knew I had to mention it for our next podcast. But uh, Kurt Russell celebrated his 71st birthday back on March 17th. Man, he, he is so awesome. He's been in so many good films. I, I can't even count all of them. It, it, it's impossible. Is he, a new, is he a new actor? <laughs> is that somebody new? Never heard of him. He's fresh on the scene, making waves. Just a young, <laughs> fresh Hollywood actor. <laughs> making Man. his moves. So I started thinking about all the films that I love that he's been in. And, uh, okay, Death Proof, uh, Escape from New York, uh, The Thing, Tombstone. It's ridiculous. That that, that was just taking a second. Yeah. Um, Tango and Cash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Freaking Hateful Eight. So after I was thinking about that, I thought, well, what's uh, what's your top, top Kurt Russell film or top couple, top three? What do you got? Man, I didn't see top three in there. But I'll tell you what, when you get, when you sent this over this question, I, I was thinking about it and I'm like, man, everybody's going to talk about the obvious ones. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one that I love from when I was a kid and it's used cars. Do you guys remember this movie? Just yeah. by the, the title only. I don't think I ever saw it. Okay. So this is one of those cable movies where you would take the box my parents never had the pay channels, right? So if you wanted to watch used cars, you had to like take the box and like do the tune buttons. You know that trick I'm talking about where you could sort of get it in. Oh, yeah. It would be all scrambled. Totally. Are you guys totally. too young for that? Am I, am no, I showing no. my age here? We had a different one where we, we had a certain length of a, of a cable. And somehow my dad knew the right length to make it because then it would pick up the frequency. It was... I'll have to ask him for a refresher on, on, on that, but we did something similar like that. <laughs> well, used cars was a comedy, obviously, and it and it was definitely R-rated. So, you know, when I was a kid, I was busy trying to tune it in. But one of my one of my favorite Kurt Russell movies is, is used cars. So I was going to do one that nobody expected. Right. I'm going to have to see if that's on Tubi. Yeah, it's a good one. You'll like it. I promise. Cool. I trust you, man. <laughs> How about awesome. you, Aaron? Um, well, I, mine are more obvious for sure. I can't, I couldn't help it. Escape from New York. That's one of the, um, earliest movies I remember seeing, uh, as a kid, like as far as, uh, dystopian post-apocalyptic movies, other than Mad Max, it was one of the first ones I saw. So yeah, I love that movie. Um, as a kid, when you're watching a movie like that, it's so creepy and weird and scary. You don't understand what's going on. You just know it looks cool. Right. Uh, with the eye patch and everything and the, the, you know, the black boots and all that. But then as you get older, you know, you, you watch it obviously many times and you, I loved it. So yeah. Um, Escape from New York, you know, Tombstone. Um, I loved his, his performance in that sort of a, he had like this, this growly kind of drawl, uh, almost like a John Wayne kind of thing. But then I kind of noticed that he does that in other movies too. So Maybe that wasn't him channeling John Wayne, but yeah. um, anyway, I, I love I love Tombstone, and of course that movie 
you know, features so many great actors, but it's still, you know, it still focuses on Wyatt Earp. Um, and uh, then a more recent one, Hateful Eight. Yeah, I love I love that. Also another ensemble piece. He's playing a, a really different character in that one, an important character. And when when the when the movie unfolds, you just can't believe your eyes the way everything happens. Uh, you don't see any any of it coming because it's Tarantino. You never you never know where it's going to go. Right. So um, I love his performance in that movie. I love uh, I love that movie, and I love the the part where he bashes the guitar and then there's that little behind the scenes thing where when Jennifer Jason Lee's playing the guitar, he comes and grabs it from her and bashes it and destroys it. They were supposed to cut because that guitar was like some real antique, like ex really expensive collectors. I don't know. Somebody used to own it. I forgot who, uh, and he forgot that they were supposed to cut. So he grabbed it, destroyed it. And her reaction is real when she's like, <gasps> Right. And she, I think she might even look off camera towards Tarantino, but maybe they cut before she does that or something, or maybe you don't, you can't tell what she's looking at anyway, as a viewer. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a great, great little scene there. Um, oh, I'm going to rewatch yeah. that knowing that now that's awesome. Yeah. That's a genuine <laughs> reaction from her. Yeah. See a good director does whatever it takes. Although I don't think he planned that, but still, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I've only seen Hateful Eight uh, one time, and I love it, but I, I definitely need to watch it again because it's very layered and a yeah. whole lot of stuff happening for sure. What about what about Bone Tomahawk? Did you guys see that one? I never I've did. I've wanted to see it. I've wanted to see it for years, and for some dumb reason, I haven't seen it. Have you? Yeah, I, I watched it. So I won't say good? too much about it since you haven't seen it. I thought it was good. I mean, it, it's definitely, I mean, story-wise, I, I think it's probably not, <laughs> the greatest but it's cool it's got kurt russell in it yeah right right you know how i am about these movies aaron right that's right I'll, I'll, he's I'll more loose go. more loose nowadays i'll let it go <laughs> man i'm watching i'm watching one right now based on brad henderson's recommendation this doom asylum have you guys watched this no holy cow man shout out to brad henderson <laughs> doom, Asy doom asylum is awesome I don't get to watch a whole movie all at once because I have kids, you know, so I'm only about 50 minutes in and like, I just can't believe how much more there is because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> how much more can really happen? <laughs> but right. it's, a, right. it's a good one. Just not have cool. Kurt Russell though. All right. Yeah. It's on Tubi. So nice. free to watch. I, I, I love Tubi. That's great. I have a couple. Um, they're, they're fairly obvious as well. My A number one has to be Tombstone because it's just legendary um everybody's performance in that film just rewrote the book on uh on characters and and camaraderie and just great storytelling and there's even a cool um a, a few of the actors have said this so george cosmatos of course who uh directed the film um they brought him in kind of as it was already going because whoever was the original director I guess he just wasn't able to do it uh, or they didn't like his performance or whatever the case may be. So they, they fired that director and you can Google it and find out who that was. I just don't know by heart who it is. Um, so then they brought in George and you know, a movie of that magnitude and that size and, and all that detail, I think anybody would have a little trouble, you know, handling that, especially not having it from the start. <clears throat> so what a kind of the, 
rumor or or what some of the actors have said over the years in interviews is that Kurt Russell took a huge uh, step uh, or, or or a big role in helping uh, George uh, George Cosmatos direct that a little bit. I'm not saying he directed it, but he helped out a lot. He helped like organize scenes and kind of worked with George to kind of help get this film done. So he had a really heavy hand in helping with that whole thing. Plus his performance is just off the chain. So, uh, you know, double kudos to uh, Kurt Russell for, for helping Tombstone be as good as it is besides just his role. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then my other one, um, it's hard to pick, man, because just like what Aaron said, is Escape from New York absolutely fantastic? Yes, it is. Um, but I'm going to go with The Thing, I think, because that one has a lot of like subtleties to it um, that maybe some of the other ones he's done don't. Not that that's good or bad. It doesn't matter. They're all, he's been in so many good movies. But I like The Thing in particular. It just has a lot of vibe to it. Kind of the stuff where you have to watch it four, five, six times and you keep getting new nuances of things. Um, and, and his character really had a lot of that. So uh, I'm picking The Thing for my... Awesome. We've come to the part of the show where we ask, what are you drinking? Yeah, I, I was quick on the draw here. That's right. Uh, Modelo. That's right. Old standby. Mm -hmm. I'm sad you don't have the bottle version, though. I like the bottle version better. I want them to do something about the foil, man. Make yeah. it easier to make it easier <laughs> to handle. I'm going to write a letter to Modelo and say, hey, make the foil peel away clean yeah when i open the bottle it's just you know it's there for the show but it doesn't stick around for the whole you know encore. that's right yeah we talked about that before when you're drinking a beer you don't want to have foil in your lips and your gums when you're drinking it's not no, fun. it's not conducive to a good time foil in the mouth <laughs> no it's not good looks good though it yes, looks great it's very flashy and yeah. looks good on instagram <laughs> 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 all right greg what do you got man drinking a beer by Dogfish Egg called Slightly Mighty. Slightly, it's a slightly, slightly mighty. mighty. Okay. Locale IPA. Dig it. Is that a Michigan no. one or no? No. No, Dogfish Head is out of state and they, they make a lot of beers. But, uh, you know, so I've tried a couple of light IPAs because, you know, one thing about IPAs, a lot of calories. Oh, yeah. 300 hey. and like a double IPA has like 300 calories. So, anyways, this is 95. No oh, man, go. that's a that's a lot been, less. That's great. Yeah, I know. So I've been trying to find one, and I I did try the I tried the Bell's Lighthearted. That was okay, but this one's better. I'm, and bringing, I'm also drinking it out of a Coonan glass. Nice Coonan Brewing. I decided to do something different because I I think didn't I get made fun of for for drinking the White Monster just a few too many times in the podcast? Like every podcast. I mean, like like you know I love it. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, well, I respect I respect your right to drink any kind of monster you want to drink. Right. But that one was coming up a lot. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so tasty. Um, okay, but so It'd be this funny one, if Steve is like, I'm drinking white monster. Yeah. yeah. Right <laughs> after after all that buildup, I I, I tried <laughs> to like uh, divert your attention to the other trick, but really there is no trick. <laughs> exactly. No, so I made myself a fresh, delicious Bloody Mary. You Virgin know, Bloody Mary. My, ver my version of a Bloody Mary. With there the with the zigs, uh, zigzags, isn't that what it's called? Uh, mix with some uh, 
extra Tabasco and that uh, that little seasoning that's like kind of kind of made for margaritas, but it's great in this and yes. some ice and uh, it's delicious. Cheers! Awesome! Hell yeah! Yeah, we've been on a big Bloody Ooh, Mary that's kick spicy. since uh, that LA trip. I yes. know. What is it about tomato juice and airplanes? I don't, there's something weird there, some psychological there, thing, because you get on an airplane and you crave tomato juice. I don't every know time I'm on a flight, I get a can of the Mr. and Mrs. T Bloody Mary mix every time. Really? I'm telling you, people get mad oh, yeah. if they don't have it. I think and, like one of the airlines tried to get rid of it. People like got pissed. Oh, they, they, didn't they have, can't like, do that. Tomato juice on a flight. Yeah, That's weird. Same thing with Canada Dry. People make a really big deal about Canada Dry ginger ale. Um, don't get rid of it. You got to have it. Canada Dry is damn good. It is, man. If if you can't get ginger beer, that's the next best thing, in my opinion. Wait, a minute. <laughs> Verner's then Canada Dry. Come on, Steve. Uh, no, I love Verner's. I love Verner's, okay. but nobody nobody carries Verner's though, like on flights or like at places and you know with, yeah. with a few exceptions around michigan of course um yeah. but most of the time uh it's going to be canada dry or something else like that but not verner's it's too i think it's too niche for like a yeah. a big chain to say well we're going to carry verner's it, you, you never see it i was going to say like the people watching this might be going what the hell are they talking about what is verner's like yeah because uh oh it's remember... only the best ginger ale out there yeah yeah, but I don't think it. I don't think it stretches far beyond Michigan, really. Like, yeah, I don't yeah think it's kind of regional. Have heard of it? Yeah, kind of well, like Fago. Some people uh, won't know what Fago is either. Some, you know, depending where you're listening from. Right. I, I was going to say when I met Scott Ian, I was backstage and uh, they had a whole cooler full of like every kind of soft drink and you know, imagine backstage with anthrax. They have everything you could ever want, right? So in that cooler they had burners and like he he picks it up and he's like what the hell is this and i'm like <laughs> i'm like well you know it's a ginger so it's a ginger soda from you know it's kind of like a thing here in detroit you know you should try it it's it's really good you know we love it here you know a lot of people drink it when they're sick but i i actually think it's good when you're not sick so he opened it up he took one sip and he's like nah nah <laughs> and he set it down <laughs> he was not having it and like so, like I said, you know, depending on where people are listening to us from, you know, burners may be like foreign to them. And sure. right. there's a pretty good chance that they'd try it and not like it either. <laughs> so. Yeah. Or maybe you, you have to try it like a couple times because the first time it'd be so weird. You kind of, you know, hard to wrap your head around it. But then the second time you have it, you'd be like, oh, this is not bad. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think we're going to school our non-Michigan or non-native Michigan listeners. Um, there's two uh, beverages that are made right here in Michigan. Both of them happen to be on Gratiot Avenue uh, in Detroit. And uh, one of them is Verner's. Then the second one uh, is Fago. That is a whole line of, of uh, carbonated sodas um, or pop, like we say in Michigan. But they have like a cola, they have red pop, they have orange, they have a cream soda. I mean, they have a ton of flavors. And um, ICP and St. Clown Posse helped kind of put Fago, uh, in, you know, nationally, internationally on the map back in the 90s because they have it at their shows and they smash two liters on the stage and all kinds of crazy fun like that. But um, I will share with you a secret recipe that I, that I made up. Aaron, I think you know what I'm, what I'm about to say, right? It's my favorite Fago. Yeah. My favorite Fago combo. I don't know why they don't just make it because they obviously have the product. 
So, but you have to do it yourself. So what I do on a hot summer day, I go to the store and I get orange Fago and cream soda Fago. And then when I go home, I get a nice tall glass of ice and I do 50, 50 and there, there's your Fago cream sickle. It's so good. Try it. You won't be disappointed. I promise you. <laughs> I believe you've, you've given me some of that before and it was awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. It, it's, it's, I'm surprised so Fago hasn't combined them on some special, like, you know, limited run or something. But. Yeah. Like around the 4th of July or Labor Day or <laughs> any, whatever excuse. It doesn't even matter. Plus the thing about Fago was that it was like, it was like a knockoff cola, right? You know, it was like cheaper, I think was. Yeah, oh, for it, sure. Like least, how town at least club. when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. For it was sure. a lot cheaper than regular like Coke and all that. Plus all the variety of the flavors, you know, made it, made it cool. I'm going to cover a little bit of news, some Voyager 3 news. We kind of really have uh, two major conventions coming up that we're going to be a part of. Uh, the first one, and we're really looking forward to it, is Astronomicon. It's the fifth one um, that uh, is happening April 22nd through 24th at Burton Manor in Livonia, Michigan. And check it out. Here's just some of the people that they have at Astronomicon. Uh, Corey Taylor, who is a singer of Slipknot and Stone Sour. They got Judge Reinhold's going to be there. And you know how many movies he's been in. You can't even count that high. Um, Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills Cop. Cop. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. And so many others, man. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. One of my favorites with the, uh, the uh, pirate captain hat. <laughs> uh, delivering the fish and chips, if you remember. Um, yes, Nick, Nick Castle, who was the original shape, uh, Halloween, Michael Myers, uh, Bill Mosley, who, um, Chop Top and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, he's been in a lot of the recent Rob Zombie films and just a whole bunch of stuff. You, you, you can look him up on his IMDb. Then they have a wrestling contingent that consists of Kevin Nash, X Pac, and, uh, the Steiner brothers. Oh, we also have to take this time to mention uh, rest in peace to Scott Hall, uh, who just passed away last week. He was actually supposed to be at Astronomicon as well. Um, but uh, we, we got that news and we were very saddened for that. I mean, Aaron, how many, how many uh, pay-per-views and WrestleManias and everything did we see him on uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, man? Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, especially when when i got back into wrestling he was coming back with hulk hogan and and uh, kevin nash they yeah. were doing the nwo invasion of wwe this time instead of you know wcw and um that's when so i came I, back into it matter of fact yeah, yeah same here so i had to kind of work my way back and know I knew him from before that, but I wasn't watching wrestling as much. So I missed his prime prime, but, um, I caught up with that stuff and, uh, yeah, he was great. I mean, got probably the deepest voice I've ever heard and yeah. all three of us have deep fucking voices, but that guy takes the cake, man. Yeah. And he, he was just such a charismatic dude. And, uh, and, um, he was one of the first people to make, to make, you know, the, the heel, uh, loved i mean i'm sure he wasn't the first of course but you know well, like it, him and roddy of, piper were very yeah, excellent at doing that for sure for sure and and people just 
really dug him and didn't care that he was a bad guy. And, and so he, he was great. And so that's, yeah. uh, you know, he's gone like so many other wrestlers gone before they even have a chance to get old. Right. Just the way, the way they live in that business, they live hard. They, they uh, push themselves beyond what any normal person would do. And that stuff takes a toll. So yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Peace. That's right. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, we're very much looking forward to that convention for sure. There's going to be a lot of cool vendors and other guests. The, the, the guest list is really long. I just rattled off a few. Tickets are on sale for that. So we're going to be there all weekend long. We have a, a table, a booth kind of set up where we're going to have all of our merch, uh, the New York Ninja cassette, CD, uh, and vinyl, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So uh, come on by. Have a great time say hi uh, get something signed pick up something and, and have a blast um, that's astronomicon.com for tickets the other uh, convention that we're super looking forward to is motor city nightmares and that's happening july 29th through the 31st at the sheraton novi detroit and this one is shaping up to be off the hook um just uh before last weekend i, I saw that they have Ken uh, Forey, uh, Galen Ross, and Scott Reiniger. So that is a Dawn of the Dead reunion waiting to happen right there. I'm sure they're going to have a panel or two on that. <clears throat> so I'm going to bring my Blu-ray and probably my soundtrack and uh, scoop up their autographs for sure. And hopefully they'll have some cool stories to tell. And, uh, and Hopefully at, they come to the after party. I know, because at Motor City Nightmares, we're actually playing live uh, at the Saturday night after party, which is July 30th. So tickets are on sale for that now, too, at MotorCityNightmares.com. It's going to be a great, great convention. Then the last piece of news that we have is uh, the Voyager3Store.com is still doing the uh, free U.S. shipping for any order over $35, and that is for the remainder of March. You don't have to have a coupon code or anything. If, if your order is above $35 and you live in the contiguous 48 states uh shipping will automatically be reduced to zero so pick up something fun mailbag just a quick mailbag um from blog jammer he mentioned uh, a game called zombie side and they have a version of it that's based on uh, Night of the Living Dead, which sounds cool. So if we can get that or find that, that would be awesome. We could play that one. Also, he mentioned, speaking of Night of the Living Dead, he mentioned that we should do a soundtrack for it, do our own soundtrack, because it's the copyrights were never done right back when Romero made the movie in 68. So it's like a free reign movie. Anybody can do a soundtrack to it if they want to. So that's something we could toy around with the idea. Maybe one day we'll do that. So thank right. you, Blog Jammer. Yeah, yeah. And I checked out that game um, when he mentioned it, and it does look amazing. So I'm going to try to see if I can find that too. And I have a, uh, a shout-out to uh, Galaxy of Film Podcast. Uh, they reached out to us just via email and asked if we wanted to be on one of their podcasts. And um, so we said, sure. And we did one, all three of us did one where we're talking about the Book of Boba Fett series. So we went through episode by episode and kind of talked about what we liked, what we didn't like, and any other anecdotes we had about that. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And then they had Aaron on just last week talking about the Batman, which um, 
everybody's been talking about how really excellent that movie is. Yeah, it was awesome. It was uh it was great dark Batman movie. Um Robert Pattinson was great. The suit was great. The the car, the Batmobile was awesome. Great chase scene. Uh Paul Dano as the Riddler was was amazing. Um and and Colin Farrell totally unrecognizable as Penguin was just he was a show stealer. Uh everybody was awesome in the movie and uh, I would put it up there you know, I'm not going to compare it to the whole Nolan trilogy. That's not fair. That's a whole trilogy. So I'll, if I compared it to Batman Begins, I'd say they're just about equal, maybe. I, I, I have to see the Batman again uh, to really know where it's going to fall and all that. But it was an amazing movie. And, uh, you know, just awesome, faithful uh, adaptation version of Batman. It was really cool. And luckily, Greg... There's no origin story part of it. There's no flashbacks to the parents dying and all that stuff. It just picks up in like the second year of his crusade and goes from there. So it was awesome. Well, that I like. I'm yeah. glad to hear that for sure. Were you able to, were you able to make out the things on screen or was it just like a black screen the whole time with like a bunch of rain? <laughs> it was appropriately dark. Oh, and it did rain for the whole movie. The yeah, whole see? movie. It was great. Like- that was beautiful. <laughs> that was one of the best parts. Um, but it was super dark. And, you know, you can't make any any comic book movie Batman dark. It's not appropriate for everything. But this was perfect. It was awesome. And the score is amazing, uh, as we talked about before uh, in the last episode. And um, I just got an email, too, that Mondo is putting out the whole score on a three LP set. So, uh if you're a vinyl person and a Batman person, there you go. There you go. The score was awesome. Mando's packaging is top notch, so you won't find any better. That's right. Absolutely right. Shout out to Galaxy of Film Podcast for having us on a couple of their shows. We, we had a great time. Yeah. I came up with a cool challenge for you guys. List your top three heroes in a film and maybe why or some detail as to why you chose it and your top three villains in any film and why. Um, my magical 20-sided die says that Greg goes first. All right, so I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not doing heroes because I know Aaron's doing heroes. And there's Aaron, no need Aaron for does me. love a good hero. I, I, I know that to be a fact. He does. So uh, by default, I'll say my favorite hero is um, John Liu. In New York, man, Asia. that's a good answer, man. Plug. Man, doesn't get better than plug. that. So I do. I I focused on villains because that's my wheelhouse. So I'm gonna start with one that's uh, surprisingly appropriate: Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. Solid you know, pick in this day and age. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's per- yeah. It's the perfect movie to go watch if you haven't seen it. Um, probably not what most people would consider to be the best Rocky movie, but. I think it's my favorite, although I do love the original, obviously. But uh, yeah. he's just so like he's just so giant compared to Sylvester Stallone, and he doesn't talk a lot. And, yeah, you know, when then he kills Apollo Creed, I'm just like this. This is like the worst bastard, and you just can't <laughs> wait for him to put him in his place at the end. So that that he when I was growing up, he was one of the worst villains for me. I did not like him at all. Yeah. And I was glad to see him get his ass kicked. 
Yeah. The next one I'm going to go even more obscure, and it's another Sylvester Stallone movie. <laughs> um, all right, the movie's Cobra, and the villain is the Night Slasher, played by Brian Thompson. Nice. So this is another one of those 80s movies that I watched, and I was like, man, they found the perfect guy to be a villain because he just looks like he can't be a good person in real right. life. Kind of like Buffalo Bill in silence of the lambs you just don't think there's anything redeemable about him but this guy <laughs> this guy's got like the real chiseled weird features and i don't know man he's just uh, he's just a crazy awesome bad guy and I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get more work as a bad guy to be honest after that but he's um, in some stuff he's in he was in x files and stuff he's done some stuff was he a bad guy though oh yeah oh yeah he oh, was an really? alien okay yeah, he was an alien Dig it. All right. Well, anyways, that's my that's my second pick. The last one will be no surprise to anyone. Shot in 1975, created the summer blockbuster. Jaws scared a million little kids, including I, myself. I had, feeling, I had a feeling you'd pick the shark from Jaws. Yeah, <laughs> another solid pick. To. It's my favorite movie ever made. Terrified an entire generation of of people. That's right. Kids, adults. And kept them going out of the water. The, yeah. And unfortunately uh, gave sharks a bad rap. It did. It did. It really did. But, I mean, it was effective. All right, I'll go. Um, so, yes, I do love the heroes. And some of my choices are kind of obvious, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, Luke Skywalker. He's uh, He's got the ultimate story arc, you know, to go from being a kid you know, just complaining about being held back by his by his uncle to being, um, you know, an impatient uh, student and wanting to go and help his friends and kind of screwing up his whole his whole training and then seeing where that got him uh, and where that got his friends. You know, they all get their asses beat in part two. And then by the time we see him in part three and he's got the all black on and he's calm and he's 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 got his self together. Um, he's got his skills going on. It's just, he's the ultimate, um, straight laced good guy. You know, you don't get the, the cool cynicism of Han Solo, which is also awesome. He goes through the biggest character arc, you know, in, in the, in the whole trilogy, I'd have to say, yeah. um, I would also, I also have, uh, Bruce Lee's character from enter the dragon, who's named Lee, who's basically the, the quintessential Bruce Lee character. I mean, he plays a lot of characters who are kind of similar and in range they are all just kind of versions of him. And I consider Bruce Lee to be the ultimate action star, the ultimate, just, he, he just was like a real life kind of superhero on screen. And so, um, yeah, I love enter the dragon. It's his first big budget movie. You know, you just dream about where he could have gone if he had stayed alive and all the crazy stuff he could have done. Um, yeah. You know, more movies like that, more big budget, big cast. Uh, so he's he's amazing in that, and he's just the coolest ever. Uh, and that's one of my favorite movies, too. Uh, and also uh, Ellen Ripley from, uh, from Alien, Aliens and all that. Um, I saw Aliens first, part two. I loved her in that. I loved how, you know, how haunted she was in the beginning and how tough she, she got through the whole movie. Um, and then a little bit later I saw alien, the first one. And, you know, she's, she's just a, just another member of the crew. They're all just a bunch of smart asses. They're all the, you, you don't really have much reason to root for anybody in this movie in the beginning, at least. And, 
And you think if anybody's going to do anything effective, it's going to be Dallas, the captain, because he's in charge. But then he bites it. So you're like, well, who the hell's going to live through this movie? And you can't figure it out or you can't, you don't even know if anybody will. And um, it ends up being her because she's smart and um, because she's lucky and all that. And so to see her go through her arc in, in all the movies, um, you know, even part three, which had all these studio things, you know, politics behind the scenes and David Fincher's movie got kind of taken out of his hands. But I didn't know any of that when I saw the movie. So I loved it. I love part three. I love how, uh, you know, she makes this ultimate sacrifice and everything. And I love the doom and gloom of part three. Um, so I love Ellen Ripley. I love Scorny Weaver. Definitely one of the uh, best movie heroes uh, ever. It's it's funny. Um, you know, we're a family and everything. So it's uh, it's not that surprising that uh, two of our picks for heroes are the, are, are the same. Nice. So uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll do the one that wasn't the same first uh, and then Aaron talk a little bit off more. your homework, Steve. He might have. He might have been looking over my shoulder. I don't know. I have to keep Aaron an eye on him. off your homework. <laughs> <laughs> the pick for a hero, Doc Holliday from Tombstone, played by Val Kilmer. Yes. Absolutely one of the best characters in any film. Uh, written so good, acted even better. And uh, now how many quotable lines does Tombstone have? And then, oh, how many of them are Doc Holliday's? Most of them. Most <laughs> so, of them. Yeah. Yeah. It, he just he just brought every bit of vibe and uh, sincerity and just talent to that role. So that's why Doc Holliday to me is uh, one of my top picks. And then um, Luke Skywalker, obvious reasons. Um, you know, the focal point of the whole trilogy, uh, uh, the whole original trilogy one of the best good guys you wanted to be him for Halloween and uh, you wanted to have a lightsaber and you wanted to reenact a lot of the uh, scenes, like especially uh, on Jabba's sail barge when he jumps off, grabs the, the plank with one hand springs back up, man. I don't know how many times I reenacted that off my bed. <laughs> yeah. That's um, one of the best scenes ever. Yeah. And then uh, Ripley from alien. Great character. Uh, you're right. Unassuming. Um, when you first see Alien, there's nothing about anybody that stands out in particular where you think this person's going to be the one that saves the day or survives or whatever. You, you just have to let it unfold and see what happens. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. And, the, and then you roll with it. Then you see how she kind of takes over on the rest of the films. And another uh, cool tidbit about Aliens is that there's a deleted scene where Ripley briefly talks to her daughter who is now older than she is because of the hypersleep travel and all this type of stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, it really helps illustrate the weight of um, Ripley's like kind of inner turmoil and missing her family and missing out and the sadness of all that, uh, that you can imagine, um, you know, you miss your kid's life mostly. Um, I, I really wish they would have left that in the film. A lot of times I agree with the edit, yeah. but that's one where um, I think that one would have added a lot of weight and, and cool texture. So if I can find that on YouTube, I'll link it in our show notes so you can check it out because I think most people would, would enjoy kind of seeing that other angle that really doesn't get talked about um, with Ripley, but you kind of feel something, you know, is under the surface. And this is part of the reason why, for sure. Uh, for the bad guys, um, I have a, one really obvious one, Darth Vader, of course. Uh, I would say he's the best 
bad guy in movie history, maybe. Pretty Probably, much. yes. You know, he looks cool. He's got all black. He's got the mask on. He's got the red lightsaber. It's the first red lightsaber anyone had ever seen. Um, you know, he's 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 choking his own people through the whole, you know. <laughs> I mean, yes, he is. <laughs> he's the coolest. And he goes through a hell of a character arc, too. And, and you can see, you know, how tough he is until he actually has time to sit there and talk with his son without them trying to kill each other for a minute. As soon as Luke starts working on him and saying, you know, there's good in you, I can feel it. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't even try that shit, you know, because it's going to work. <laughs> so don't do it. Because it's going to work. The, yeah. <laughs> the cracks in his armor. And um, that's the last thing you expected. You know, if, you, if you're seeing that movie for the first time, if you're a kid, you're eight years old or whatever, 10, whatever it is. And, and you're like, wait a minute, is this, where's this going? You know, if you think about the first time anybody saw those movies, they did not know that this was going to have any kind of redemption, anything like that. And so that was really cool uh, where, where that goes. Anyway, I would say uh, Daniel Plainview, Daniel Day Lewis's character in there will be blood who is a, uh, is a, he's a, he's the, protagonist of the movie he's the main character and he's the one we're rooting for but he's a bad guy and so we're rooting for this villain and that's you know it's this is great manipulation by uh, paul thomas anderson and by daniel day lewis to to manipulate the audience into like actually wanting this bad guy to succeed like this scumbag who you know who who treats his son like crap and treats everyone he meets like crap and he kills people and he's just He's horrible, but you want him to get away with it. You want him to do it. So, yeah. um, not to uh, mention um, Johnny Greenwood's so uh, left of center score that soaked that movie with another unsettling vibe of kind of weirdness that helped yeah. push all that. So definitely, yeah, and and also the best mustache in movie history. Yes, yeah, I mean Burt Reynolds <laughs> is up there, you know, but I think uh, Daniel Plainview's yeah. mustache the best I don't know, man. <laughs> and also uh the tombstone guys i'll, I'll buy oh, yeah. it too for sure they're up yeah for sure um and then um roy batty from blade runner who um is as a kid probably was the first sympathetic bad guy i ever saw before i even really knew what that was where i'm watching this guy and i'm going you know this guy has a good point i mean he wants to live he wants freedom he doesn't want to be a slave uh, he wants more than a four-year lifespan. These are reasonable things, you know. No, no. Anytime you enslave a, a people, they're going to want to be free, and they're going to fucking fight for it. So, um, you know, super these, solid these, pick. Yeah, these replicants, you know, um, they have a real good case for what they're doing on Earth. So, yeah, I love um, Rucker Hauer. I love the the look, you know, the the bleach blonde hair, and uh, the how intimidating he is, and uh, so. Uh, and that's my favorite movie of all time, too, Blade Runner. So, yeah, there you go, Roy Batty. Dig it, man. That was a very solid picks, for sure. And believe it or not, we have no doubles on Bad Guys. Oh, sweet. That's sweet. right. For me, uh, General Zod, played by Terrence Stamp, uh, in the original uh, 80s Christopher Reeve starring Superman movies, he was the best, man. Your definite, like, archetypal bad guy but mixed with a little bit of humor here and there, um, which is great. Like when he, uh, when the president kneels and he says, oh God, and Zod says, no, Zod, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll follow that up by uh, Colonel Hans Landa, 
played by Christoph Waltz in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Super awesome job. Um, he was such a son of a bitch, but you, you, you sure dug it. <laughs> um, then the third one, a little bit of a, of a more obscure film um, called Let the Right One In. So I, I, uh, I'm picking Ellie uh, is the vampire girl, the child uh, vampire in that film. And that film really has a unique vibe and uh, aura to it to me. It's, it's, it's like a, a, a love horror a romance horror film. It's these kids with these kind of this innocence and tenderness and this vampire, Ellie, uh, is trying to find like a new handler or familiar, if you want to call it, that a, a lot of vampires in, in the stories have. So she's trying to find a new one and uh, she picks this, this kid who, um, they're about the same age, you know, but not really because the vampire probably is 200 years old or whatever. I'm sure they say in the film, I can't remember. But a uh, really cool story, really cool take. And she's really sinister when need be. Um, but the exact opposite at other points in the uh, story. So really, really cool. And there was an American remake um, that Matt Reeves directed called um, Let Me In, uh, which was not bad at all. They did a good job on, on remaking that. But uh, I'm definitely a fan of the original Let the Right One In film for sure. It's a good remake, but no, the original's better, of course. Matt Reeves hasn't made a bad movie. I mean, you know, from the Batman to Let Me In to the Planet of the Apes movies, all of this stuff has been good or great, you know? Right. You know, the original, the the kids look a little more realistic. They're they're just plain, you know, like, I don't know, like... They're just some plain Scandinavian kids, man, what? Right, right. <laughs> they're more so believable, good. you know what I mean? They don't, look, they don't look Hollywood, I guess is what yeah. I mean. Yeah, you know, totally. The, they they totally look like they could be kids living in a in an apartment like that, you know. So yeah, very realistic, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that almost does it for this uh, episode of V three Cast. Let's recap it real quick. We talked about uh, our uh, love and admiration for the uh, great actor Kurt Russell, who just celebrated his seventy first birthday. We talked about some of the films that we love that he's been in. And we talked about some Voyager 3 news and some of the upcoming convention appearances that we're going to be at. And then we finished it up with uh, our top three movie villains and movie heroes. You know what? The next V3 cast is going to be episode number 10. Can you believe it, fellas? Awesome. Can't believe 10 already. It's going to be 10. That's amazing. We have to do something yeah. special for that episode. <laughs> big, Something very big. Well, thank you for tuning in, everybody. This has been V3Cast, the Voyager 3 podcast. We'll see everybody on the next one. Take it easy.